Live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston Proper, you are Live from the Path. To live from the path, we're going to from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. Yes. A Spanish tra- of a word. <laughs> oh, son, you're it means son. A, a Spanish translation. Well, here's the deal. So, I, like, I was, I was, I missed last week because I was out of town working. Yeah. And uh, uh, the place that I was working at was in El Paso, Texas. Oh. And right across the street from the place I was working was a drive-in adult theater. Oh good! And I thought drive in like a like a big outside. Yeah, line? yeah. No kidding. Yeah, Whoa. big outside like a like a drive-in movie theater, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. except for it's an adult theater. Oh man! And it's like it says a drive-in adult theater. We open at whatever this time, and we sell cigarettes. I'm like, oh, I guess the drive-in <laughs> adult business is not enough that you got to sell smokes too. <laughs> so anyway, I, like I, I I'm like, man, why, why is this stuff? I mean, honestly, it's like out in the open. And you're like, this is weird. Yeah. I don't even know how, how you're keeping kids from peering over here or whatever. And like. I'll be hot dog that the Del Sol Church didn't build a building right next to it. <laughs> I'm like, I love these guys. <laughs> Wait, you think you think that one came second? Oh, for sure. This uh, drive-in adult theater looks like it's been there since the 70s, and Del Sol looks like they ain't had a building up for five, ten years. Okay, nice. Yeah, so so like they did, and, and, and the reason I know that is because they're both Poke Stops, and so <laughs> so if you're uh, out there catching the Pokemon's, you can, which I didn't pay attention to by the way. So like you spin the disc and you get like uh, gifts or whatever if you're playing the Pokemon's, and churches always have them. Huh. Uh, and then so the Del Sol Church had one, and then so did the adult movie theater, and so I wasn't paying attention and spun that one, and so now I have like a gift. From the Del Sol or from the adult movie theater that I got to make sure I don't send anybody. <laughs> so it's be real awkward. <laughs> yeah, that is. A, I don't know anything about this this Poke business. Oh, the Pokemon Go. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, this is. Uh, I, I'm always trying to find a way that like I can interact with uh, like kids in our youth group or like uh, we have some younger the girls have some younger cousins or whatever and like it's just a way to like. Touch points, right? Yeah, like, hey, yeah. we're you know, we're whatever. I'll trade you this thing, or you know, whatever. And so yeah. we we started doing it. My wife and I started doing it. I don't know, two three months ago or whatever. And like, you just it works on your phone, and you go out in the wilds, and like this rando Pokemon will show up, and you catch them, and you know, and you can stop. The more you walk, the more points you get, and the, like the more places you go, you spin the. They have like a disc at at like ch- all churches have them, and then you get gifts and more balls to catch more Pokemon and whatever. And you can trade them with friends, and you send gifts to friends and whatever. And so like that's how we've been keeping. You know, we touch our, uh, we play with our own kids, and then we play with their cousins, and then a couple kids from our youth group and whatever. And it's, it's just kind of fun and silly and whatever. Yeah. But like, it's kind of fun and addicting. And so I've started playing it without them. And uh, and uh, there I am down there working. You know, like two days away from my own house, catching Pokemon in uh, El Paso, Texas. Uh, I mean, that seems like a real manly thing to. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> but then I get to uh, they and they give they've given it up. This game's been around for like I don't know ten years now. Yeah, I did it a, a while back. For yeah, a while. Yeah, same, yeah, for the same reason. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of fun, you know. And, but but then like uh, now you're just the the forty year old guy doing it. Yeah, and, that's creepy. And it's it's kind of at not. the adult bookstore or uh, by the adult bookstore by the yeah. adult movie drive in or whatever you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funky. All right, hey, all right, you're listening live from the path. Here's what we got going on the show tonight. Uh, we do have some news that we're going to catch up on. Uh, a couple interesting uh, picks in the news. There was a uh, uh, somebody turned to meet uh, to, to follow Jesus from their Muslim family, and they uh, sprayed acid on him. 
Who keeps acid around? I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to go source some. Like, I'd have to be under the expectation it was going to happen. Also, there's kind of a cool... Um, they found, like, a really old Hebrew tablet known as the mm, Curse yeah. Tablet. Yeah. But it's really awesome uh, because it, it mentions the personal name of Yahweh, mm-hmm. and it dates back much farther than... Um, there's a lot of... There's a modern... modern um, I, I, I don't want to call it all, like, like um, liberal theology, but, like, modern thought has believed that, say, the Old Testament wasn't written when it purports to have been written, that, like, almost all of it would have been um, written and collected in, you know... Uh, later, later on, kind of the time of Daniel, mm. uh, as an example, um, or maybe even in the five to eight hundred uh, time frame. So, like around the time of exile, basically, once they start to go into exile, they're like, "Crap, we better write some stuff down." Um, and like that doesn't marry up with a lot of how Scripture is presenting itself. But there was not a lot of um, scriptural evidence, things outside of the Bible or the stuff outside of the Bible that would otherwise validate an, an older archaeological timeline. type. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and this actually is a pretty big find um, because I, I, it, it allows it that the uh, Jewish people were writing down the personal name of Yahweh on something that was dated much earlier than when the purported kind of newer. The new old, the, sorry, the newer timeline of the Old Testament might represent. So, mm-hmm. so uh, do do they run into into problems? Because like sometimes the the same folks will date things by either carbon dating or potassium dating or something, right? Yeah. And they'll say, well, the Earth is actually uh, fifty billion years old, uh, and we go, no, that can't be true. But then uh, we'll say, but the the way that you've dated this tablet, we will accept. Um, the most, especially like young Earth creationists, would would niche that. I don't out. know what, what's that. What's a young Earth creationist? As someone thing? who believes that like the Earth is like if you the, the most literal reading of Genesis would give you say that humans probably have been around pre six thousand BC oh. or a little bit later, um, and that the Earth was formed at that same time, and so the Earth is no more than you know roughly eight ten thousand years eight thousand years old or so. Um, and so versus old Earth creationists who say like God, God definitely created. There was not anything like evolution or whatever. Um, but like He created at a point in time of which then the Earth was created mature. And so you didn't have to wait a million years for oil to show up in the ground. The, the Lord created the Earth of which all the process as were, were aged when they were done. I think I'm one of those people. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I it's certainly not beyond. I mean, why would you think God couldn't do that? Yeah, like if yeah, I mean, it's not like He puts an Earth together and goes, oh, shucks. I didn't plan on this, right. right? Like he knew the sediment and the whatevers, and what, he knew all that was going to happen. And he's like, I'm just going to put it in there as if it's ready to go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so anyway, but a young Earth creationist uh, certainly would would say um, that like it was such a kind of a cataclysmic event that uh, the carbon dating can't be trusted, mm. right? Like whatever the situation was when it occurred. Oh, okay. Which yeah. I suppose is, could be reasonable as well. Yeah, I mean it's the same. It's the same explanation that essentially, you know, um, to to say it was created mature, and that, that's that's one of the things that gets dicey about the creation work is that, like, I mean, again, not only was was nobody there, and there's no particular evidence that validates like any particular perspective on it outside of the narrative that the Bible is giving you, assuming that's the narrative, but the Bible is actually trying to explain, but like. Uh, in addition, because you're saying there's a first cause, there's a God stepping in and doing something that is outside of the natural laws of which the earth is otherwise bound, then like none of the ways in which you measure the natural laws would be effective. Well, right, and none of the natural laws existed before he stepped in, 
right? Because there wouldn't have been any natural laws. The natural laws are whatever he said they were. <laughs> right. Now, but now, from if you're an atheist, you go like, boy, you can put anything in that bucket. I like mean, anything that can't be explained, you'd be like, well, I mean, God did it. Which, I mean, I've seen Christians do, and you're like, no, no, he, he probably didn't do that. And so, like, it's just a, it's a weird, it's a weird place because it can be totally true, but, like, there's all kinds of weird stuff people could put, put underneath it that wouldn't be right. They could abuse that, that thought as well or be lazy with it. Hmm. So, anyway, actually, let's just, um, let's read this one first. So, biblical researchers say they have decoded an ancient Hebrew inscription known as a curse tablet that predates by centuries any known Hebrew inscription from ancient Israel. The inscription was found on Mount Ebal, the mountain of the curse mentioned in Deuteronomy 27 and Joshua 8. Hold on. We got, I'll look it up while you're doing it. A cursed, uh, this, is the, this is what it reads. Cursed, 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 cursed by the God of Yahweh. You will die cursed. Cursed you will surely die. Cursed by Yahweh. Cursed, cursed, cursed. Wow. <laughs> Read the earliest proto-alphabetic Hebrew text recovered on a small folded lead tablet. The Associates for Biblical Research announced at a press conference at the Lanier Theological Library in Houston, Texas, on Thursday. I believe the amulet dates to the late Bronze II age, or as early as 1400 B.C. He added, this is earlier than many skeptics believe the Bible existed, making this the earliest appearance of the word Yahweh in Israel, and it was found at a covenant site. The implications are enormous and will reverberate for many years to come. This is a big deal. The amulet, known as the Defixio or Curse Tablet, came to light in December 2019 when Stripling, also the director of the Archaeological Studies Institute at the Bible Seminary, went with his team to wet sift the discarded material from excavations conducted in 1982 to 1989 in West Bank. Um, the amulet and its inscriptions do not uh, predate the Bible, Stripling said. We believe it coincides with the biblical events. We talk about versimilitude, a consistency between what we read in the text and what we find in the material culture. If the text were true, this is what you would anticipate finding, and indeed, it is what we found. Wait, so if I understood that right, these guys sifted through stuff that, like they did what construction or something. It wasn't like other archaeologists. Archaeologists. No, yeah, there were there were archaeologists. So the the excavations were conducted by the late Haifa University archaeology professor Adam Zertal, who discovered the altar of Joshua on Mount Ebal near the city of Nablus in the West Bank, and he he did so. He was doing archaeological work. Between 1982 and 1989 okay, in the West yeah. Bank, and then like discarded stuff. discarded stuff, and these guys went back sifting through. He's it. feeling silly right now. Yeah, well, like, he's dead. I, we messed the big one. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, you threw out the curse tablet. Oh, I oh. wonder. I mean, it took them how many years? Three years to decipher it. Like, oh, oh, they're almost all one word in there, like nine times. Yeah, they. F- <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I suppose once you unlock the pattern, you're like cursed, cursed, cursed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we Yahweh. Halfer <laughs> <laughs> um, University professor Gershon Galil told the Times of Israel, this is a text you find only every 1,000 years. Uh, some have raised concerns about the claims, with one unnamed academic telling the Times of Israel, the fact that they are publishing it on the news before being published scientifically is a bit off. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, according to the Bible, Mount Ebal was the mountain from which the curses were called out for those who broke God's law when the children of Israel made a covenant with God before entering the land of Israel. Deuteronomy 11.29 reads, When the Lord your God has brought you into the land you are entering to possess, you are to proclaim on Mount Gerizim the blessings, and on Mount Ebal the curses. So, like, this was, um, uh, I believe this is the setup where, like, you, you, there's a picture in, um, what book was it, Joshua? Where, like, what, somebody, what, there was a group of people on Gerizim and then a group of people on Ebal, yeah. and then, like, they would talk back to each other. Yeah, is that right, yeah, Dan? yeah, kind of chant back and forth. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, Deuteronomy 27, kind of. 
It's, yeah, it's where everybody responds. Like they call yeah. out a curse, and then and then everybody goes, "Yes, absolutely." Yeah. Hold on, I got it in the message though. That's probably not legit. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I didn't mean that. Curse, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, basically, uh, Deuteronomy twenty-seven has says, "Look, when you when you cross over the Jordan, you're going to build this on Mount Ebal and cover it in plaster, and then yeah, curses for Mount Ebal." Then Moses says, "Keep silence and hear, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God." You shall therefore obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. And then he starts yelling curses. Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast metal image, an abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Yeah. And then he goes on to curse a bunch, and everyone's like, yeah, agree. And that's what the, that's the, what the tablet was and where it was found, where Except someone what, wrote what, the curses down. What was the exact curse from the tablet? Uh, it, it didn't say for what. It just said curse, curse. It's just a small piece. Curse, of yeah. It. yeah. Curse by uh, Yahweh God. Curse, curse, curse. Yeah, Moses was talking t- too fast, and he only got the <laughs> curse, curse. <laughs> yeah, that's super interesting. It makes you wonder. Yeah, who who was holding that thing at some point? You know, like who had that? That's just kind of yeah. All kinds of people, like yeah, yeah. And it's crazy for it to survive the the previous excavation. Yeah. Well, it was what wasn't it only like a couple inches or something, or it was a pretty small. Yeah, it wasn't much. Um, it was centimeter, a couple centimeters maybe. Was and that it? like, I, I, I didn't quite get a, I didn't quite get a good. Um, when they said a folded, yeah, tablet, like um, they didn't have a good picture of it in this particular article. So yeah. Anyway, well, I remember reading that too and thinking, oh, what? Wait, what? What do you mean folded? Wow. Uh, anyway, it's it's, it's a real like I, I remember re- I read an article on this earlier in the week and it said um, it kind of made the same claims like this is a landmark discovery. I'm like. I don't. I'm not quite sure. I understand why, but now I, I get it. There, it's validating. Um, it it puts the language back a, bunch, a, a farther, yeah. and so so then starts to to frame in at least um, a, a right, probably a, a more consistent understanding if um, with when the scriptures were written or that they were writing yeah. things down and the the name Yahweh was referenced there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, it does mean a lot for how you interpret. Um, some of the dating of the Old Testament, especially in light of modern scholarship, which tends modern scholarship tends to want to push everything out. It's, it wants to push um, the stuff later that happened in the Old Testament, and then it wants to push a lot of the New Testament stuff to happening later as well. Because like some of that just gives you room to say, well, then maybe it was jacked with, uh, as an example. And so like um, I don't know if you if you're if, uh, it's it's a win for the uh, conservative dating folk in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so anyway, that was a cool one. There was a. Um, let's go. Let's go to that. So, radical Muslims in Eastern Uganda sprayed acid on their family members during an argument over their conversion from Islam to Christianity, and were told, "You deserve death." The family survived, but remained in the hospital after their after being treated for burns. You know, I, the the reason I read these stories um, is because I, I I do feel like um, we just need reminded of that sometimes. That like so some of the things that the, the prayers that are going on in Scripture. And some of the burdens that the church is carrying as a whole, um, like because we're not seeing a lot of these things, it just feels so distant. But like, there's some family somewhere, someone who met Jesus and like knew this could be knew this could happen. Right. Like they they knew this would be the case, and yet not only did they still turn to follow Jesus, but they still told their family. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I adjust. I, there's always in the back of my mind that like I am scared to death that I'm a coward, and just and because of where I live, it's just not been revealed. That, that that something like that would be enough. It's like, well, you like this is certain. Hey, man, if you go in here, they could throw acid on you, and you go, I'm going to go in anyway. 
I think that's where maybe sometimes we, we do really weird things in America be, because we're trying to be courageous and we don't have a need to be. Yes. So we're like, well, yeah, but I wore that T-shirt that said, yeah, turn or burn. You know, well, you just became a jerk, you know. Yeah, uh, right. Or I said something really rude. I stood on the street corner with a sign and called people names. And it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's I, trying to force it out in places because we're so comfortable and we want to identify with the risk. Yeah. We so, end up doing stuff like that. So I was thinking about this earlier this week. I, I don't know. I was reading some kind of scandal scandal article or some kind, and it was about uh, Chris Pratt, who goes to a fairly big church, and um, he got railed on the internet because his church preaches, uh, you know, they're homophobic and, you know, they, huh? whatever. And... Um, and so, like a gal had got on there and say, it's time to put an end to this dangerous practice. Um, it leads to um, alienation and suicides, and we're, you need to be done with this, you know? And, like, for, for a hot second, I stood back, and I, I was just thinking about it, and I'm like, I do this. I, I do tell people this, right? And, like, there's a possibility that within their... Uh, their mindset of how they're taking in information, that they are so broken because you said the thing that they're doing is not the thing to do, you know, that they make some very, very poor decisions. And and so, like, um, where I don't think we're running into the risk in America of, like, people spraying you with acid, you know, like, it, it does... You, I did step back for a little bit and go, the person that's saying, look, this leads to this and this and this and this, I know that's not true, right? The things that they're saying, like like you're, you're bringing people into what God has designed for them, does not actually lead to that. It's a broken world and a mistrust of the God that created them and a culture that has bred into them uh, certain things that just aren't flat out true, you know? But could you be the tail end catalyst, you know, that said a thing, uh, a true thing, and, and it, it they took that as, well, I guess that's that's it, I can't live in this life anymore, you know? And, like, you are wielding, you know, that type of information. And, and like, I, I guess I just thought of it like, as in I'm not really worried about uh, getting sprayed with acid to my own detriment, yeah. right? But but I I was really concerned for the day that's like, I better believe this. I better believe that God is true and holy and right and good and that he is in the middle of all the things that I'm saying because on my own, I don't want this kind of power. I don't want that kind of influence over people, and I don't want the ability for someone to think something so poorly. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, yeah. it's it's a it's a different problem. You know, you know. And maybe I maybe I, I pine I pine for the the straight up uh, physical and emotional meeting of a truth that the Muslims are willing to embrace, right? And so they're like, we'll just spray you with acid. That seems like the rightful outcome for a decision that you made. I'm like, at least it's out on the table and not some kind of mystical feeling-based, you know. I, 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 in fact, even when I was, out, I, was, I was out of town working and I spent most of the, most of the time listening to like um, 90s rock with a, with, with a guy I was working with, you know. And like I grew up on the stuff. And the more I listened to it this week, the more I thought, what a bunch of whiners. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like they're all like their their songs are always named something super heavy or super something that you can't write put your 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 finger on because it's mystical and hard to understand and and enveloped in feelings. And I'm like, you guys need a regular job swinging a wrench or something. Maybe you wouldn't feel this way if you didn't you couldn't be consumed by your feelings all day. Yeah. And that's how you made money. You your whole entire professional career was was based on like this pining or weird depression and 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 all 
bowled into one, and then you all you did was whine about it your whole life. Well, no wonder you're bummed out. Yeah. Right? right. How's that working out for you? You know, you yeah. hate it. You're just not willing to admit it. So anyway, uh, it, it's just in comparison to like I'm, I'm not worried about people like physically attacking us or like you know people putting us to our death. I, I am concerned that like in our current state of culture, with feelings having taking priority over everything, um, the 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 power of your words are I don't know they're they're big. Yeah, 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 no doubt. So like the story the story is kind of interesting because the question is how do they uh, how do they come to meet Jesus? It says reports surfaced. Uh, oh, excuse me, one of the victims, uh, Weiswa, said they converted to Christianity when a pastor visited their home and shared the gospel on February seventeenth. Now that's another dangerous thing to do. Hmm, Not yeah. only going to tell the tell your family, but like you're the guy knocking on doors, going, "Hey, I think I was see if you guys want to hear about Jesus." <laughs> I don't know whether this acid thing extends to that guy, but I can't imagine it wouldn't. Yeah, right? you could have gotten the acid straight straight away. Yeah, yeah, that guy, that uh, pastor, something else. Anyway. It says, uh, when the relatives came, when a pastor visited their home and shared the gospel. When the relatives came to know about their conversion, they called them for a meeting with other clan members on March 8th. During the meeting, we were asked about our salvation, and we affirmed to them that we had believed in Jesus and converted to Christianity. They told us to renounce Jesus, but we stood by the newly founded faith in Jesus. When we refused to recant our faith in Jesus, my father, Arajavu, recited some Quranic verses, and after that, they forcefully started beating us with sticks as prescribed in the Quran, claiming that we were apostates. As this was not enough, my father went inside the room and picked up a bottle of acid and began spraying it on us while the group started shouting, Allah Akbar, you deserve death, and then disowned us. Hmm. The three victims didn't realize initially that they had been sprayed with acid, but as we were fleeing for our lives, we started feeling some serious itching that continued until the pain intensified. A nearby Christian neighbor called the pastor who arrived immediately and took us to the hospital in Bali, but our daughter was seriously affected and was referred to a hospital in Jinja. On March 9th, their home was burned to the ground. Four days later, in a separate incident, radical Muslim villagers attacked a former mosque leader identified as Swala Mulongo of Bugobi for putting his faith in Christ after being evangelized by a pastor in January. It was around 8 a.m. when four Muslims stopped me and began asking me so many questions regarding Christianity, but I did not respond. Then the men started beating me up with blows and sticks, but thank God when they saw some people approaching, they fled away. Malongo suffered deep head wounds and his wrist was broken. The radical Muslims then killed goats and chickens that were owned by the pastor who had led Malongo to Christ. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. Over the t- over, looks like this is kind of common. Of the over 200 acid attack survivors with whom I've worked with in Uganda, only 20% of the perpetrators were charged or had any legal consequences. Is, is wow. acid that common? Do people just have it? I suppose when it's part of your, your faith expression. Yeah, I mean, is it? Is <laughs> that like a common <laughs> Muslim faith expression to have acid around in case an apostate come by? I don't, I don't know. Boy. I mean, bless, bless them fellas out there. Yeah. Uh, again, and remember, like, there's a Christian, that Christian pastor lived down the street, down the way. That, that, is kind of, that, that was the part that kind of stuck out, like our Christian neighbor. And like, I, like they're, they're not after him. So is it? Uh, well, he's apostate already. And we don't do that. Like, like if people leave the Christian faith, like we don't beat them or or like call them names we, or we something. We talk about them behind their back, yeah, right? Maybe. We just we just yeah. gossip about we them. Just say, the man, that was a bad choice. Local yeah. breakfast, you know, <laughs> weird. Uh, yeah. So like, uh, is our reaction? Do we not hold it? Do we not find it to do any good? I guess is that is that the outcome? 
Like, it's just like with the Jehovah's Witness. We're like, well, at least they're getting out there doing stuff, you know? I mean, like, you can at least appreciate that, that they're doing some work. And so, like, do we take people leaving the faith or, or no longer, you know, prescribing Christianity, and we go, well, I mean, it's their choice. They have to it's deal with God on, on this It's based on faith, thing. though. I mean, Christianity is based on faith, and yeah. intimidation is, does not create faith. Right, it just not coercion. It's fear. That's yeah. right. That's so right. it's a whole different base that we're coming from. Yeah, it'd be like Jesus looking out at someone going and saying, you know, um, you know, Ted, do you love me? He says, no, but I'm afraid, scared to death of my neighbor. Right. So I'm here. Can I live with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, right. That is Like when the guy says, I would love to follow you, but I would like to go bury my father first, and Jesus beats him with a stick <laughs> and says, wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> you fickle <Jeez>. dolt. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy. Anyway, I'd like uh, again folks to be folks to be praying for. There's there's people who it is no uh, the the consequences of me going. Yes, I love I love Jesus are very minimal here. I remember reading a, a friend's post uh, in in a group once about uh, I think it's in India where, where they're they're training all these preachers and they know they're only going to last so long because they're going to die. Yeah, it's not like they're going to get discouraged and you know become a baker. They're going to die and. I just like wow. I mean, there's so many things to think through on that. Like, if you're the one teaching the guy who's going to go out and die, it's like, well, I mean, it's just, you just do what you do. You just do it. It's it's, it's just you're just making disciples. We're, yeah, we're, we're doing it. But you think, man, I'm sending you to your death. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a heaviness on the teacher as well. I would think. You know? I think that yeah, like the same thing we were just talking about, right? Yeah, like it just yeah. it, you do wield an amazing responsibility. And, like, I think it's probably just good to be humbled about it every once in a while and realize the things that you're saying, especially in that culture, uh-huh. right? Like, that guy's out doing God's work, knowing full well that, like, he might he might not even put himself in danger, but he's putting the people that he's telling all this information to. Yeah. And, like, for that not to bother you more, most people are like, you know what? Beat me, hit me, hurt me. I, I, I'm in Whatever this thing, happens. Yeah. right? But, like, you get away scot-free after you told the guy the gospel and he accepted it and he dies and, and you, his family and his children and yeah, his goats right and his, yeah, right I mean, and, and you get to and you live on to to keep preaching the gospel and you're like god has to be in this because otherwise i i can't yeah. take this you know <laughs> yeah it's interesting like um we just talked before the show started so you know like um as as new couples you know show up to your church like can you look them in the eye and go boy i want to introduce them to jesus and then now think of by by them agreeing to it or believing you, um, they are put at risk. Their yeah. life is in danger. Yeah, right. What a what a deal. I, I uh, a few weeks ago, just randomly, I, I was thinking about this this house church I visited in China in 1994. Yeah, and maybe I talked about this. I can't remember um, because it was fresh on my mind. But uh, I, and I thought, I, man, I. I had, I could remember the guy. I could hear his voice and everything. And then I, I thought, I'm just going to Google his name and look on the YouTube. And and there were there was a video of him like within two years of when I was there talking. And it's he's in his house church, and you can. See, I thought, man, I was in that room. I know, I know exactly where he's at. Yeah. And it was just so cool. And same thing, like he he uh, had spent over 20 years in hard labor. He knew his people were being persecuted. Uh, some would end up in jail. You just never know. But he, they just keep doing it. They just keep, it's like, I'm not going to stop. You, you know, he was like all excited. The, the Chinese government did not intimidate him in the least. Right. Uh, but God was like, he was very impressed with God. And I think, okay, I, I got none of that. I mean, right. <laughs> I mean, I got it, you know, in my faith, but it's like, I've never had to, I've never had to test that. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. 
Right. Well, and and I mean, it's maybe it's just in a comparison to our American culture, but like sometimes we get an up in arms over a small squabble within the the congregation. You know, like some yeah. guys like I don't agree with the blah blah blah. You got the wrong toilet paper. Yeah, yeah, right. Something <laughs> stupid or like I don't even I don't like this teaching series that you're doing. And yeah. you're like, oh, maybe he's right. Then your stomach hurts a little, and you're like, I don't know, maybe he's right. I don't know. And like this guy's out there, just I mean, dealing in life and death situations, but also watching the power of. Of gospel transition, right? Like, uh, people don't decide just to put them themselves in ultimate risk merely because of your suave words, right? right. The gospel's never done that. Right. You know, like, it, it, it is always the presence of the Holy Spirit and the words of someone who, who follows Jesus already that puts those two together. And so know that, like, maybe that's the only comforting part here is to know that, like, uh, the Holy Spirit does the moving. You like your job is to do what what God has asked you to do when He's asked you to do it, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit is, is is the one moving and shaking, and they're getting all of their rewards. This this world's the stuff we have to offer is paltry and and not impressive. Uh, next uh, next story, Reverend Cedric Alexander, a retired pastor with the African Methodist Episcopal Church Incorporated, has filed a proposed class action lawsuit alleging that the denomination lost some 70% or nearly $100 million from its retirement plan through foolish and risky investments, which have hurt about 5,000 participants financially. The document alleges that Jerome Harris, the former executive director of the denomination's Department of Retirement Services, okay, there's one guy who works in this Department of Retirement Services, was given sole authority to invest tens of millions of AMEC clergies and other church servants' retirement savings in a questionable and potentially unlawful purchase of undeveloped land in Florida, a promissory note to an Illinois installer of solar panels, (laughs) and an even more foolish investment in a now non-existent capital venture outfit. Yikes. Was it like investing in all kinds of woke stuff or something like Uh, no, I think they're just, they're they're just stupid. Yeah, <laughs> they're just bad investments. Yeah, like, like he bought development land in Florida that no one else had purchased and built on. I assume, assuming that it was going to, you know, appreciate <laughs> <the next> Disney. <laughs> yeah, a promissory note to an ill, like a loan to an Illinois installer of solar panels. And investment in non-existent capital venture outfit. It doesn't even sound like fraud. It just sounds like idiocy. Yes, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't think the guy like it'd be different. I f- I first thought this guy has stolen a hundred million dollars, and he and he bought an RV with it or whatever you do. Yeah. Uh, but no, he's just just so stupidly invested this money that it has cost. He lost a hundred million dollars in retirement plan. And while all this was happening. Church officials kept reporting to the plan's beneficiaries that the retirement funds were safely flourishing as investments in annuities from Symmetra Financial. Now, how is that possible? I don't know. So this, they'd have to be making up the numbers. Like, are they now? Here's the thing: Do you put one guy in to count the money, and then you ask the same guy how it's doing? Because maybe that's what they did. They just said, "Hey, Jerome, how are things going?" He's like, "We're flourishing in the annuities at Symmetra Financial." Yeah, as long as I don't send them out a whole dollar amount and I put some cents back there, this looks legit. Uh, it says the suit is about a complete and total abrogation of these fiduciary responsibilities by the defendants, resulting in numerous breaches of duty and resulting in a single unmonitored individual defended Harris. Now, so I, I guess here's the question. Um, uh, so, so the church decides we're going to do something or other. Um, and, and church communities are limited by whoever happens to be around, right? And so sometimes the guy who runs the finance ministry – like, I mean, you try to get a reasonable dude, but it's got to be some, you know, it could be the guy who said, well, I took a, an accounting class when I was in high school or whatever. And he's the closest thing you got. Uh, or the guy who runs the, you know, who's the, who's the janitor or the guy who's weren't on building maintenance 
Like, there's no guarantee that he's qualified. He's who's around. Who's right, the closest right. thing you have? And so, like, I, is the church doing itself a disservice by, I don't know, farming out certain things within your church organization when when you just don't have you don't have the right guy? It's all right to go. You know what? We're gonna pay. We're gonna pay the secular world. The muggles are gonna do it. Yeah, you know, uh, some churches should consider doing that with their sound ministry. Yeah, right. Right, like right. When, like you go to churches and you know, they're like uh, the band is rocking and you would never know it because the sound is so horrible and they're like because Phil is the only guy that ever agreed to do it and now he's got the board all taped off like a madman and you're like Phil stinks at this yeah right he's so not, it, it's okay good. to go maybe we should just pay somebody yeah. like fifty bucks <laughs> or something I don't know <laughs> yeah I just I mean maybe that wasn't the case but like how do you end up with one dude uh how do you end up with one guy? That's it. Yeah. Who's responsible for all this stuff? And then no one goes, "Hey, maybe we better check on Jerome. I'm not sure he's skilled in this area." Yeah, I mean, he like I said, he it doesn't sound like he's purposely fraudulating. He's probably in way over his head and be like, "Hey, I don't know. I was reading a blog and it said you should buy undeveloped land. This is great. Yeah, this will this will be the best helpful. investment ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that, that, that that'd be me. I mean, I'd be I'd be like the the worst guy to to manage something like that, and I'd be like making everybody in go into poverty, and I was like, I'm sorry. Uh, it sounded so good. Yeah. It, it looks so shiny. And yeah. who do you blame? You blame them both, the guy that asked him and the guy that didn't say no. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not qualified for this. There's like a lot of people who weren't like maybe reading reports. Don't they like give reports on this stuff? Yeah, unless he was straight up like phoning them in. Like, how could how could no one notice? You know, like if they're yeah. kicking out financial statements, like either he's making them at home Falsifying in a PDF them, editor or, or I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like I get all these little reports all the time, and I, like half the time I don't, I don't know, I don't have clue this. And but once in a while, I actually look at it, and go, oh look, yeah, good, yeah. But this is happening, yeah. This well, is up, boy. This is this is well. Okay, we're not going to go into any additional detail. This, uh, yeah. I the the more you get into this, though, it does. It's just straight up incompetence. It's not. Uh, uh, although it did say, um, it was claimed that at the January thirty first meeting, the office of the executive director of the AME's Department of Retirement Services had been emptied. With nothing in the office cabinets but empty files and paper clips. Oh, so he took a run for it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it does sound like it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, finally, let's let's do one more thing, and then we'll do some advice. So just... just uh... Oh, wait, where'd it go? There we go. Yeah. Uh, so I, I you figure this was coming. If Christians uh, want to know what's going to happen in the future, they only need to look to the book. Uh, they only need to look to the Bible. God is impeccably perfect in his prophetic announcements, said Pastor Tony Evans of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. The Bible is full of prophecy. The Bible is God's prophetic syllabus, giving us an outline of things to come, he added, and, uh, walk, before walking the congregation through the Bible's prophetic calendar. In Matthew 24, 3, Jesus' disciples asked him to reveal the signs of his second coming, and he replied, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Evans cautioned, however, that God has not given anyone the knowledge of when Jesus will return. I'm not saying that what we are seeing today is proof positive that Jesus is coming tomorrow. He added, what I'm saying is, it could be. Now, that's not relevant to anything happening. <laughs> uh, delving into the Bible to discuss the signs to be on the lookout for over the next seven years, Evans said to watch Russia, countries in the Middle East, and the rising conflict over oil. I mean... You could have done that with the blindfold and the TV off. They were, yeah. they were telling me that in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Reagan could have made the same prediction. Yeah. Uh, oil, he stressed, will be a dominant issue in the coming years, which will bring Russia and the Middle East into conflict before Jesus' return. 
The 72-year-old pastor said he predicts that a conflict over oil between Russia and Middle Eastern nations will reach its fullest expression during a series of seven years. In the final days, he said, a war will break out against Israel. You think you got high gas prices now? You ain't seen nothing yet, Evans declared. Oil will become the dominant issue. And with oil being the issue and the Middle East being in conflict with the oil-bearing nations and Russia coming down from the north, there will be a coming together of the Middle East of Europe of Russia. The Bible says God is going to arrange for them to collect themselves against Israel. Mm. Why? Why would all they? Why would all of them have a problem with Israel, though? Like based on the thing that he set up, the oil, the, all the oil nations, instead of fighting amongst each other, they band together and attack the democratic state of Israel for unknown reasons. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm digging it so far. <laughs> he says Israel was chosen by God to bring the living word and the written word. Evans emphasized, declaring that God knew before time that Israel would be the nation that would give birth to the Messiah. I mean. I mean, yes and no. It's not the nation state of Israel. 1948 Israel state was not, that's not the lineage of the Messiah. The lineage of the Messiah was the people. Right. Goodness me. The Ten Commandments would also come out of the land, and the scriptures would be birthed through the Jews. Everything revolves around the place of Israel. When Jesus Christ comes back, he's coming back to Jerusalem, and he's coming back with us. Jesus Christ is coming back at the end of the tribulation with the saints who have already been raptured. Every eye will see him. None of this will happen without God's orchestration. They may not know it now. They may not believe it now. They may not acknowledge it now. But on that day, there will be no question that that's the day of the Lord, he said. The church clock began. God has established his church. Jesus has established his church. People are being made one to Christ. And those who accept Christ become part of his church age. The church age comes to a conclusion at the rapture. The reason why it is not the end yet is there is an event that will take place before the end time clock gets punched. And that event is called the rapture. Hmm. Okay. So, I mean, if you had to say where this is, has missed the target the most, what, what would you say? Here's the thing, because uh, like uh, people, people still get caught up in this. Yeah, yeah. People yeah, yeah. still get led astray here. So, like, like we're laughing uh, kind of over the like some of the ties and the ridiculous things, but like there's legit dudes who love Jesus that read Revelation and hear the same yeah. thing he hears. I think they miss kingdom. They misunderstand where the kingdom, who the kingdom is. Is it Israel or is it the people of God in the church? That changes everything. Right, and maybe also the definition of Israel as the Bible purports it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, right. Paul, Paul, Paul speaks of Israel um, as not just, well, not just the physical lineage descendants from mm-hmm. Israel the man um, and, the, and the progeny thereforth. Um, it's basically all who... All who follow Jesus are Israel. That's Paul's redefinition. Branch, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and also like like let's say that you even want to live in a, in a reality that says it's the boundaried you know state of Israel. Um, it was different uh, when the Book of Revelation was written. The boundaried state of Israel is not the exact same boundaries yeah. that were today, and they went through a hundred iterations between now and then. And so to say that like because I'm reading it, then this is now the boundaried state of Israel of which the Bible intended. Uh, you have to realize that that you're you're basically reading your reality into a very old text. Yeah. Right. And so I, it's 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 just interesting. Like I th- I think almost everything he said. Uh, there's a uh, good biblical, solid biblical arguments against some of the things that he's that he's pumping out. But the reason to bring it up now is because it's topical and it gets people fired up and like almost uh, the the coercion. Part that says, "Hey, look what's going on with uh, Russia and Ukraine. This uh, could be the end of the rapture." And blah 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 blah. And like, yeah. and notice his point was is like, it really isn't the end times until we're involved. 
like until until we get in well, until we get well, the until we're t- until we're taken out right right uh right. which which also is not the trajectory of scripture like uh, when there's trouble god's people are generally supposed to be running in the rapture has us going out uh and and like i mean if like no joke if 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 this is something where what he's saying makes sense to you like uh matthew 24 I think the part he's talking about is not talking about Jesus' return. That's continuing to talk about the destruction of the temple mm-hmm. in context. And so, like, there's a split in Matthew 24, 25. Part he's talking about his the destruction of the temple. Part he's talking about his second coming. Um, the revelation, is it's not reading it correctly to... Um, and this goes back to the understanding of kingdom. If you think of kingdom as something that has to happen way in the future, then you read Revelation that way. If you trust that when Jesus says the kingdom has arrived, because he does... Uh, and 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 John pre precedes that and says the kingdom is near, talking about yep. Jesus. Yep. Um, then, the, then what they're talking about in Revelation has a current uh, relevancy to them, um, and so it is a broad picture that describes kind of a, a reality over time, not necessarily in the future alone. It's it's something that has been true for uh, that expresses itself in different ways amongst time, but otherwise is a reality that has been true of all t- for the most part of all time, and so. Um, and I suppose in that same vein, like like the Book of Revelation has to mean something to the people that were that it was written to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like it's not like John is is writing this letter, bothering to do it, um, you know, from this island, from Patmos, to these churches in Asia Minor, um, because they want to give a heads up on on Russian need for oil and this and the skirmish in Ukraine, right? <laughs> like they don't. Okay, thanks. Like, I, it, and these are people who are being like they're seeing persecution. At this time, mm-hmm. and John is encouraging them by going, "Yeah, but there'll be a war over oil." Yeah, not really. It's just that's it's not a, as a pastor you wouldn't do that. It wouldn't make any sense to, and it doesn't benefit them. And frankly, I'm not sure it benefits us. How many people have read that and said, "Hey, I think it's over this," and it wasn't. Right. But okay. every war, every war that comes up, people go, "Just yeah. the birth pains, every tornado, birth pains, <laughs> yeah, earthquake." Yeah. And it's and here's the thing: is like you can cover a lot of ground with rumors of wars. Right, there's yeah. wars and rumors of wars. Well, oh, that, that's all the time. Pretty much every minute of every every day in entire history, there's either been a war or a rumor war that one might be going on yeah. somewhere in the world. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly right. <laughs> okay, you're listening to Life from the Path. Thanks for hanging out with us uh, so far tonight. Uh, if you got any feedback for us, you can call the Bob Eisenhower Life from the Path complaint line, 515-517-0085. That's call or text, 515-517-0085. I ran into Bob Eisenhower uh, last week. I was at, happened to be working at a coffee shop, and he was sitting over next to me and recognized my voice and came over and we talked. And uh, I had casually mentioned, uh, we were just talking about going to that coffee shop or whatever, and uh, we, two, we were talking about the banana bar at this, uh, at this coffee shop because this really is fantastic. And uh, I so I anyway banana I have a, bar yeah like a like a pumpkin bar type of thing but it's a, it's like oh, a banana oh bread. like a potato bar yeah like, oh, what, 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 what kind of fixings do you put on a banana <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> like a, yeah, yeah like a, like a dessert <laughs> I just put an apricot on there I don't know <laughs> with some butterscotch <laughs> anyway I went back to work and not uh, ten minutes later uh, the waitress shows up with the banana bar and and Eisenhower has disappeared and had one sent over oh. like a real suave. He's all gone, that guy. Oh, he's great. He's so awesome. That's why he's the sponsor. He yeah. is. That's right. He gets the complaint line for that beauty right there. Okay, Mike, what do we, let's hand out some advice. Dear, live from the path, my husband and I have two elementary-aged children. My mother occasionally babysits for us and freely volunteers to do so. If we sometimes hire sitters, she seems offended. However, she insists she must watch the children in our home, never hers. 
While we appreciate her time, it would be lovely to drop the children off at her home occasionally rather than have to leave our house if we want a date night. I have made gentle suggestions, which she invariably declines. I should mention the condition of her home is borderline hoarder status. We have offered to sort things with her and even hire a company to help remove anything she could, she could part with. Her house is starting to smell funny, and it's definitely not very clean. I'm at a loss about why she won't address this. It's not a time issue. She's retired. I suspect she's deliberately making the house unwelcoming to avoid having anyone over, including her grandchildren. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Think about yourself much? When she, when she babysits at her house, she sets a very early end time, 9 p.m., and then complains about how tired she is and gets a bit martyrish, although she has told me on many other occasions that she enjoys our kids and that they are, quotes, easy to watch. I can't help but feel this issue might be resolved at her house. Am I unreasonable, or do you have other suggestions? I, okay, he, he he basically boarded a plane, and then midair he jumped to a different plane and then headed off to a different direction. Yeah. So if I could suss it out a little bit, let's see if we get the gist of it. Is uh, The grandma offers to watch the kids sometimes, but she insists it's over at their house. Yeah. Uh, and the guy doesn't like it. He goes, it sure would be nice if we could drive the kids out to grandma's house and leave them there, which I don't quite understand. Except it's unsanitary, and I don't yeah. want my children there. And then Yeah, then he goes <laughs> to explain that she's basically a hoarder with a dirty home, which pretty much excuses why Grandma wouldn't want him over there in the first place. But then he continues to rail on about how she sets an early bedtime, uh, like like they have to be home from date night by 9 p.m., uh, and that uh, she really enjoys watching the kids. It's not really that big of a deal, but he, she's just not interested in having the kids over at her place. Yeah, so and, hire a different babysitter on the nights you want to stay out longer. And you can mix it around, mix it up. Yeah, he's basically asking whether he's unreasonable. Am I unreasonable, or do you have uh, other suggestions? Yeah, hire hire other babysitters once in a while. Let let grandma have some grandma time. That's cool. Uh, plan that on not long date nights, and once in a while, you got to have your long date night that goes late into the night or whatever whatever you're doing. Uh, bring in someone else. Yeah, what what sounds weird to me is, hey, I appreciate that you watch my kids for free and that you like doing it. But I also want to put them, I want to drop them at your house, and, and this is going to be a deal. It's going to be a line in the sand for me that I get to leave my own house to drop the kids off at yours and then pick them up on the way home. I don't know anybody that would want to do that. I would rather have people at my house so that by the time I get home, the kids are already in bed, yeah. like when they were supposed to be. Yeah. And I don't have to drag them in the car and wake them back up again and make it a deal. And They're already in bed, which means that uh, my wife and I can just go to bed too. Like, we don't have to go roast the kids up and re-wake them up and make sure they pee and all that jazz, right? That All the hard stuff's done. So I, I don't understand, like, I'm tired of having you babysit these kids at my home. It's weird. Huh. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think he's being unreasonable. Like, it's un- yeah, it's unclear why he's motivated to have, to want to take the kids over to her house. Like, he's being put out to house his own children. Yeah. yeah. And, if, and, and I think Dan's right, like... You know, if grandma don't like staying up super late, then yeah, on the nights that you're like, look, we're we're gonna hit the town, then yeah, hire somebody else. And if grandma goes, oh, I really wish it was me, it's like, ma, I know you go to bed early, you know, and yeah, we 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 had to stay time. out late tonight, so you yeah. know, no big deal. Huh. I, I everyone seems mystified by it doesn't this. Doesn't seem this difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why we're having such a hard time yeah, here. This, this is a real weird operation going on here. All right, secular says, you aren't being unreasonable. Oh, for heaven's sakes. I would describe your attitude as entitled. Your mother is also entitled. 
She's entitled to set the time and place in which she will be forming this free service for you. If your date will extend beyond the time your mom has quotes available, you will have to hire someone else, and she will have to accept it. P.S. Continue to press your mom about the issue of her hoarding, because it may be a symptom of a larger problem. Okay, no one invited you into that realm, secular. You stay where you're put. <laughs> stay in your lane. Okay. Uh, secondly, dear life from the path. My partner, quotes Josh, is a musician who insists on still practicing with the band even though he doesn't have any gigs. We have two fragile family members who would die if they got COVID-19, so we have tried to avoid any risks. Yet he still does band practice with people outside our household. The bandmates are not careful like we are, and one even has weekly gigs with another band! Exclamation point. I want to ask Josh to stop band practice altogether, but I'm afraid he will resent me, fly off the handle, and ultimately end our relationship. I wish I didn't have to worry and ask this stuff, but he keeps putting himself in situations that violate everything we have worked so hard to accomplish. Why is it so hard for him to give up in-person practice? Why can't he put everybody's safety first? I'm so conflicted. What do I do? Uh, girlfriend, incidentally. Yeah, I guess I... Yeah, I don't Didn't she say we have family members? Yes. But they're not married. Uh, right. So it sounds like they live in this... It's boyfriend and girlfriend live in the same home. Most likely they have... Uh, older folks that are in their extended families that, that live they do they live in the house no oh no well then <laughs> no yeah I mean you might be you might be overreacting on this thing yeah I mean are are they I mean I here's the, the there's there's two questions um one is is actually more relevant than the other but we tend to care about the second one we tend to care about number two which is is are they being hypocritical are you a hypocrite like, are you upset that he's going, like, have you locked down, are you being consistent? Have you locked down everything else and it's only the practice that you're worried about? Right. Um, but, but to be honest, like, even if you were or were not a hypocrite, it doesn't, partic- it doesn't solve the, the question. The core question right. is, is that, like, are you, is this a reasonable ask uh, to do this? Is it necessary to lock down in the way that you are? Is this guy being stubborn or actually he's more realistic and you're, being, you're overdoing it? That's really what we'd like to know. And frankly... Uh, the, the the bugaboo here is that uh, this could could just come down to opinion. Um, you very well could I like you're protecting the right type of things. It's totally okay to be concerned about these people that are around you. Um, whether the risks that this because it was weird how she framed it because she said he's practicing even though he doesn't have any gigs. Wouldn't the fact that he had gigs make this worse yeah, for the thing that right. you're bothered with? Yeah, and the guy that he is practicing with does have gigs, so he goes out into the world and does. This is this is the problem with having a completely fear-based approach. Like, if you believe all this to be true, if the number one thing on your list and his list, if you both agree that, like, um, COVID-19 is to be avoided at all costs and the best route for our family is to lock down, then him having practices with people outside of that, I'm assuming without a mask on or vaccination or whatever, you would help mitigate that situation in your mind. Um then yeah, I could see how you feel betrayed here, right? Like if you both agreed that like this is what we're going to do, we both feel the same way. What it sounds like to me is he doesn't actually feel the same way yeah. as you. And uh, that's actually what you're upset about, is you are very worried about the effects of, of the virus, and he is a little bit more laissez-faire about it, and you're upset at him because it feels like he doesn't care about the things that you care about. And so that's a much different problem than... Um, him just merely having band practice, I think. It, it, it sounds like he has acquiesced to everything you've asked, but this thing he's not willing 
He's not, he's just not willing to put it on the table because it does not make sense to say we need to avoid being exposed to other people at all costs in case of uh, COVID transmission, and then for him to go ahead and have band practice with people who are out free roaming the world and and licking others. Right. Right. So like that seems disingenuous. So either he doesn't believe the same thing that you do, and he he's just been trying to be nice and 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 join you in the thing that you're concerned with, and now you've come to a crossroads where he doesn't actually feel that way. Yeah. And it's obvious in his actions. This is where actions are speaking way way louder than words here. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I don't think we can actually talk to whether you're overreacting or underreacting or whatever. It seems like we've just said um, you guys have to agree on something this in, this uh, big in your life, right? Deciding whether you get to go out and be in the world or you have to clamp down and quarantine. You really have to agree with somebody on that that you live with. <laughs> yeah, there's no compromise. I right. Mean, it has yeah. to be one or the other. Whatever yeah. decision you've come to in your house or whatever's best for your household because of whatever situations, uh, the two of you who live in the house have to agree. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the long and short of it. And it sounds like you don't. So you might have to sever your living together arrangements. Yeah. I mean, that's extreme enough that, like, when he says, you know, if, if I don't, uh, if we don't agree on this thing, he might leave. I, he may have to. Um, because you've not left any particular room for compromise in here. Mm-hmm. Like, you've, you've set it up in such a way, right, right or wrong, um, that, like, either you're willing to completely lock down and we're together, or you're in a violation of my trust and an overround jerk face, and we should be apart. Yeah, because you can't say, I believe lockdown is the greatest, is, is what we should do. It's the most responsible thing, and that's what we're going to do. And then go, it's not my problem whether those guys go out and about. I'm just having practice with them. You know full well they're going out and about. Mm-hmm. And so you right. can't actually believe the thing that you're saying. You know, you can't. That's that's way too narrow of a view. And so, yeah, like I said, I, I don't know I, 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 whether we agree or disagree on whatever decisions they've made. They do have to make them together, and he is violating that. That is true. And so I think probably the best result for you is to say uh, we, need to, we need to not live together, either until the threat of the cove passes uh, or we can find uh, some ground in which we both agree on how life should be lived. Yeah. Especially because you're boyfriend and girlfriend. You, you are totally – you shouldn't be doing this anyway. And uh, these are the type of things uh, that w- will come out of that. Yeah. Secular says, if you are deeply worried about the safety of your medically fragile relatives, as you have stated, you should end the relationship. Josh may need to practice with his bandmates so they don't replace him. He cannot be responsible for their behavior, and for you to expect him to be is unrealistic. Now, I agree with that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, although, uh, he, he is responsible for their behavior because he knows that they're not quarantining like you are. Yeah, I mean, he's responsible for his association with them. Like he, Sure. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, Let's do one more. Okay, one more. Uh, oh, I got I to gotta make sure it's a good one. No, no selfish bride. We're not talking about that. That one seems lame. Just, no. Sorry, I didn't have a third one ready to go. My wife's fight with cancer? No. Aversion to pets? Yeah, pet aversion. That's what we want. Dear life from the path. My boyfriend and I have gotten engaged, and we are being married in a year or so. Everything about him is wonderful, and I'm excited to share my life with him, except for one worry. I have been an animal lover my entire life. After living with him this past year with my two cats, I have slowly come to the realization that he absolutely loathes the idea of pets. Besides my inability to understand this, he has never had a bad past experience with an animal. It makes me question his compassion, or lack thereof, for all things living. 
Should this be a red flag worthy of reconsidering our engagement? Well, he's been cohabitating with her and her cats. Yeah. I mean, so I guess he's compromised a little bit his hatred. Um, I guess you have to decide how important that really is to you. I, I, it might You might be incompatible, but... I mean, is if he doesn't love them the way you love them, is yeah, that the requirement? Yeah, you need to give him a little grace there. It's like if he uh, tolerates, if he tolerates them, like he doesn't kick them and yeah. he feeds them if they need food or whatever. Like he, but he doesn't just sit with a big cuddle beam, with them, beaming smile on his face, <laughs> petting them, and scratching their ears, and knowing they're picadillos, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If that's not him, is uh, can you be okay with that? <laughs> right. I mean, maybe maybe you don't like. Uh, uh, you know, cars like he does, or yeah. Whatever his thing is, or action movies, yeah, or yeah. sweatpants. I mean, or I mean, this is basically your whole marriage coming up, right? Yeah, like, right, right. There's right. just going to be things that, like, uh, he he doesn't. He's not trying to stop you from doing it. He's allowing you to have pets and not saying this is a deal ender for me. But you're basically saying if he doesn't love pets the way that I do, then I think I I don't know if I'm compatible with him. I feel like that's a really narrow, really narrow thought process. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and you really have to decide how important is it to you. I mean, is if it might be a deal breaker, it wouldn't be for me. I mean, I'd just be like, okay, I guess we're not doing cats. Yeah, but but that's that's me. Um, I like cats, uh, but it's not going to be the deal breaker for me. But 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 if it really, really, really is important to her, then she has to really weigh that. I mean, I mean, did we say? Did we say? Sorry, I was doing some technical problems. Uh, to just ask him. Yeah. Well, it seems like they've had the conversation. How does she know he really doesn't like them? Well, I mean, can't you say, look, man, I'm not giving up the cats. Is this a deal breaker for you or what? I mean... And I want another one when they're gone. Do you think it's the fact that, like, a guy doesn't like animals, then it should be called into question his compassion or lack thereof for For all all things things. living? (laughs) That's a real nut and granola thing to say. No, in fact, she should say that to him so he knows what he's getting into. Yeah. Yeah. I think you hate all of life. Right, because I don't like cats, or I don't like your two cats, or one cat, or... Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a real difference between a guy that's like, uh, hey, would you feed a starving cat in the road? Sure. Would you adopt them in your house? No. No, I right. don't want them here. Right? Like, there's all kinds of good I want for yeah. other people and other living things that I don't necessarily want living with me all the time. I don't want an animal pooping in my house. You know, I don't... I mean, it's got a little sandbox, great, but I don't want to change it. Right, and I don't know that he he owes you an explanation of a past trauma with pets yeah. to explain it. Some people just don't want the added responsibility of pets. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's there's practical advice here too, right? Like if you have pets, that means you're tied to your house. You got to go back yeah. home and feed them. You got to let them out, or you got to find someone to do it if you ever want to go out of town. Right. That's not a hatred for pets. That's I just don't want the extra hassle. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I don't know. I, it feels like you might be really over over cranking here. Or you're just very young. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think she, I would be real careful if I were this guy, like um, because either either she really feels this way, and I, I don't know, that seems like a, that might be lightning rod in this in your relationship, or two, she doesn't feel this way, but she's really overblowing it to try to guilt you into doing something you don't want to do, and you don't want to be anywhere near that either. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I mean, I don't like uh, decorations. I don't like flowers and uh, small things on shelves. I just don't like it. If it was up to me, we would have zero of those. Yeah, right. My wife likes them. 
they they require responsibility. You have to dust them, and sometimes they break, and sometimes we got to get more. And and if it, like I would literally go my whole life with having zero decorations in my whole house. Is that enough for me to go? My wife and I are incompatible. Right. If if I don't love decorations the way she does, there's she no possible way beautiful. we can live together. <laughs> That's right. I don't appreciate art or or, or random things from uh, swap meets or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, agreed. Okay, Secular says. Uh, so her question was, should this be a red flag worthy of reconsidering our engagement? Secular says, perhaps. Not everyone is an animal lover, but it's usually because they haven't had pets or been exposed to them. I disagree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this does not mean they lack compassion for all things living. It simply means they haven't interacted with different species. However, you say your fiancé absolutely loathes pets. If you plan to have animals in your household in the future, you must have some serious discussions about it and lay your cards on the table. If you don't deal with this now, it could be a deal breaker in the future. Yeah, after seven years of marriage, I go, you know what? These pets, I can't deal with <laughs> it anymore. This is the end of the line. You're all yeah. out. <laughs> I see that we have children and have uh, memories and uh, an increasing bond of through responsibility and shared experiences, but that cat... No longer. <laughs> I have no compassion on parakeets or any like animal. I mean, here's the thing: are, are we really ranking pets as more important than a human? Are we saying that like everything that like you've agreed to marry the man, you've seen enough in him and to, uh, your future, and gone? Yes, we will spend our lives together as one, except for when this pet situation comes up. Are you willing to get rid of the pets on his behalf? As much as, as you're asking him to be willing to take the pets in. Yeah. Because it seems like a really one-sided argument here. Yeah. I think she's shining it on. I think he probably do. I think he would prefer not to have the pet. But he hasn't left yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're, we're, we have every opportunity to bail, and he's not done it in the presence of these cats. I, it sounds. It just feels like she's over, over-representing as an t- attempt to make herself look great. Because, like, mm-hmm. he's cartoonishly hateful of animals. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Mm. All right. You're listening live from the path. Thanks for hanging out with us so far tonight. I can't remember. Did we get the did we get the secular advice? Yeah. Okay. I don't think we have anything else going on. We're gonna cut you loose. Yeah. Uh if you got any feedback for us on the show, you can always use that uh, email info at live from the path.org or the complaint line, five one five five one seven zero zero eight five the Bob Eisen our live from the path complaint line. Call or text five one five five one seven zero zero Eight five. We do hang. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight, and uh, we will see you next time. In the meantime, be faithful. In the means God will handle the ends. You've been listening to live from the path.